I'm Anita. I'm Chanel. I'm Anne Marie. And we're the girls of Room 3228. Oh, so I'm so excited. This is our second episode, and we have an amazing guest with us today. Um, so first, I'll just do a little intro on what we're talking about and why we have this special guest. So um, we want to talk a little bit about news and sources and how we get our news source and the importance of um, news in today's age. Uh, so we have a special guest here, our friend Morgan. Um, she'll introduce herself and yeah, go ahead, Morgan. Okay, hi everyone. <laughs> um, my name is Morgan Mullings. Um, I am a 22-year-old reporter. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. I've been here for about a month and a half only. Um, yeah, what else about me? Um, I'm part of a program called Report for America, which is kind of like Teach for America, and they um, have sent me out to Boston to work for the Bay State Banner to help um, report on and revive coverage that they don't have, um, and in turn, you know, kind of revive democracy to help um, different communities get the information that they need. So that's what I do. Um, I just graduated from St. John's University with a Bachelor of Science in Journalism. Um, and you know, I graduated and moved and started a new life during a pandemic and I'm here and yeah, glory mm -hmm. to God. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> oh, during a pandemic. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> people build that in, it just like reminds me that life is not normal. <laughs> like the times yeah. people are not normal. So kudos to you for graduating, first of all, but also like starting a new job and getting yourself out in Boston. I know that wasn't the easiest thing probably. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a journey <laughs> and it still is. I mean, I haven't even been here that long, but I think it's going well, despite everything that's going on. That's awesome. I'm honestly, I'm so excited to have you here, Morgan. I'm so excited for this episode. I feel like fake news, I hate using the fake, the term fake news as well, because I feel like it's giving credits, like a politician that I don't want to give credit to, or like even <laughs> acknowledge his existence. But um, I, I feel like this episode is so important for so many reasons. And I'm so excited to get your take on the news and media um, and how we consume news right now, especially as a young journalist, budding journalist. And I'm excited to get your opinions about these issues. I actually um, met Morgan because we both follow the same band that her brother is also in. He <laughs> is the drummer. Um, and I don't know, I think I just met you once and I was like, this girl, like she's so beautiful. Like I wish I, I would have known her. From there, I just seen like your passion for journalism and the amazing things you've done. Um, being the editor in chief of your um, school newspaper. So I thought it would be amazing to have this topic and for you to come and speak on it as well. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Chanel, Chanel and I are concert buddies. <laughs> My whole family knows her and um, it, it was just, we had some fun times in New York. <laughs> I have to digress for a moment because when Chanel first told us about Morgan and she pitched the idea of doing this story and why she thought Morgan was such a great fit, she was like, she made it seem like her and Morgan had known each other for years and like they were like super good friends, really close. No. And <laughs> then like you look crazy ever. <laughs> and then right before we were starting to record, I was like, hey, can you shoot Morgan a message? Let her know we're interested, see if she wants to come on the show. And Chanel was like, well, I don't know her like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes tea. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, let's jump into highs and lows. <laughs> 
So yeah, as you guys know, we start every episode with either the New York Times 36 Questions of Love or we do highs and lows. And because Morgan has expressed being a fan of highs and lows already, we've kind of made a preferential choice just for her. So does anybody feel like they want to start the high or low? Oh, we can let our guests go first. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> the reason I like highs and lows is because when I was a kid, my family used to do the same thing at dinner every night after school, but we called it high point, low point. Which, yeah, mom and dad, if you're listening. <laughs> um, so I think low point is, yeah, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling well physically, unfortunately. Um, didn't make it into the office today because of that. And that was kind of sad um, because I do, I just, I want to be like at 100% because I really do care about my job. And so, yeah, that was my low point. Um, my high point, probably that I just covered a protest at the state house last week and I like the way that I wrote the article about it. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell if you're doing a good job, but I feel like, I feel like this one was one of my better pieces. Um, so that made me feel really good. Um, you know, hopefully it makes it a, it, the, it's a weekly, so it's going to come out on Thursday. So hopefully it's in there and I can send it around to people online and stuff. So yeah. Yeah, Let us know. I would love to like share it too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the, the links and everything. All right. Who wants to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. So my low was that I went to the dentist yesterday and I had to get a tooth pulled and it was just like very, I just hate going to the dentist. I absolutely hate going to the dentist. I have a chronic history of just having really bad teeth. It just runs in my family. And usually the dentists are so mean. They're always yelling at me. I just really do not appreciate being near them. And also, like, I'm just so afraid. I'm 22, but I made my dad come with me to the dentist because I was so afraid. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, like, I've been waiting to go ever since I got back from China because everything was kind of shut down due to lockdown. And I was still a little bit afraid to go to any anywhere like even to leave my house so like to go to the dentist where a lot of people are frequenting and going in and out was a little scary but the procedure wasn't too bad like my mouth was a little sore which kind of sucks but the dentist the new dentist that I have he's really cool like he's pretty young and we were like cracking jokes back and forth so I really appreciate his presence he tried to make me sign some paperwork without reading it I was like dude I'm gonna be a lawyer I have to read this I'm not stupid but then, um, but he was pretty nice. It was, it went pretty well. So at least that's over. Um, and my high this weekend, I'm going away with my boyfriend for our first trip together. So I'm really excited Aww. about that. Um, I was like, Morgan's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like a face of pure love and joy. That was so cute. Um, but I, I it's funny because I was actually telling my grandma about this and she's like, oh, where are you going? And I said, Long Island. And she was like, oh, that's not really a vacation. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't know why you're calling it that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to be going to Freeport, which is supposed to be really nice. And it'll be the longest time I think we spend together consecutively. It'll be four days. So I took off from work on Monday. So that'll be nice. It'll be like a long weekend. And I'm pretty excited to just get away, even if it's not too far, because I'm just sick of like being in the house, just commuting back and forth between work and sitting at my desk or in my bed. So it'll be nice to get out and do something. Wait, were you were in, were you studying abroad? You said you were in China. Yeah, I studied abroad in China in January. So right when COVID hit. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I actually 
actually, I remember like towards the end of the trip, like the third week of January, I was in Nanjing with my friend and we were reading the news about COVID. It was like when it first broke the surface. I remember her saying, oh, this could be serious. And I said, no way. It's just like every other virus. Like we're going to be fine. It's really not a big deal. And then when we came home at the end of January, like the CDC boarded our flight. We were one of the first few planes that they stopped and checked all of our temperatures and stuff to see if we had the virus, which they didn't know anyway, because like there were so many other symptoms and all they did was take our temperature and they just let everyone off. So we could have brought it into the United States and we don't even know. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) an integral part of history, but like not not in a great way. (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) Um, I can go next unless you want to Chanel. Uh, Who, me? Um, so I think my low just because this week just started is that I haven't really like left the house I mean I sat outside for my meeting um this morning but other than that I haven't like left my front door like I just step outside and come right back in which always like puts me in a weird mood just because I feel like every day I want to at least get outside and walk a little bit but that's okay there's always tomorrow um and my high my life is like really organized, which is very, very big thing for me because I'm so messy. Like I have my planners, I have my whiteboard and everything is like in order. Like I have everything on my calendar and I kind of know what to expect things. I'm not overwhelmed by any of my deadlines for work or my personal life. So it feels good to just kind of have a control of all the things that are upcoming. Um, But specifically, I've been working on this presentation for my job. I work at a human rights organization. And so as soon as like the Black Lives Matter movement started getting a bit more um, social media presence, I talked to one of my coworkers and asked if I could conduct a webinar um, for the organization and he approved it. So I'm working on a presentation and I'll be presenting it to a couple museum historians and getting it kind of the word out there. So I'm really, really excited for that because I think it's going to be a great platform and a great audience to do it for and something I'm super passionate about. So I'm feeling really grateful for that and excited as well. Oh, that's amazing, Anita. Thank you. Oh, all y'all do such amazing things. Oh my goodness. What are you talking about? My all I said was I went to the dentist. I don't know. <laughs> Girl, you went through a major surgical procedure without anesthesia. That's amazing. <laughs> I could never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your highs and lows, love? Okay, so I don't know what to start with because, like, my low is, like, really, really low. So if I end with my high, it's just going to be, like, I don't know. It's just not going to balance each other. Oh, um, no. But I'll start with the low anyway. I just don't think I'm crazy. So um, I'm just, I just have a lot of, like, family drama going on at the moment. Um, and then I also had, like, one of my uncles just passed away. Um, but, like, he was, he was an older person, and I, I really believe he found peace. So, um, yeah, so just, like, dealing with, like, funeral arrangements during this time. And then, of course, like, when there's funerals, there's always drama going on. So it's just been a really crazy time for the family. Um, So besides that, the high is um, I had, like, a really big conference for the organization I work with, and I held a few sessions. And it just made me feel really confident to, like, even, like, virtually just speak in front of a bunch of people and um like get a point across and do like lessons and stuff um and for it to be successful so that was really good and then um I'm not sure if you know the organization truthfully I'm not even sure if I should even talk about this but Mm -hmm. it's an organization that I really love like these influencer youtubers and I reached out to do a partnership with them and um they finally said yes um they said they're really excited about it 
so things to come soon um yeah so um i'm pretty like just a mix of emotions but for the first part i feel just blessed and chill yeah girl that's an amazing thing what are you talking about you haven't done amazing things congratulations <laughs> oh, thank you thank you oh, okay so now after highs and lows we could jump into the topic a little I, I feel like there's really no good transition, so maybe you should just, like, tumble into it. <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask Morgan a little bit more about your past with journalism, because you've been doing this for quite a long time, I would say. Yes. So can you give us a little bit of um, information about how you got started and what draw you into journalism? Yeah, so how old am I? 22. Ooh. Um, I first got into journalism when I was in the fourth grade, going into the fifth grade. Um, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know about, I mean, you know, Time Magazine, right? Like, yeah. the, you know, Time Magazine, the big one. Well, they have a kid's version. I don't know if you know this. It's called Time for Kids. Um, and in the public schools in Florida, like they would, um, they would syndicate it to the schools and you know, you could like read it at lunch or your assignment would be based on like this time for kids magazine, like this nationally syndicated magazine. And they had a competition every year for kid reporters. Um, and you could be one of 12 kid reporters and you'd get to like do real journalism and report on things. And so I didn't even know I'd like to write, but I didn't know that I was super into journalism like that, but I was like, Oh, mom and dad, I have to do this. Like, I, this is so cool. And I applied and I was one of like 500 kids across the US who applied for this program and I got in. Um, and yeah, I was like 11, 10, 11 years old. And I got to like report on the election that year. I think it was 2008. I got to go to the polls. I got to um, interview some um, authors. Um, I got to interview Kiki Palmer when um, True Jackson VP was coming out for the first time. It was a phone interview. Phone interview. <laughs> That's still a big deal. I'm going to feel Like, she's my first big interview, you know? And so after that, I did the elementary school, like, news show. I did um, all, what are, you know, all those, like, writing competitions and stuff like that. I did Spelling Bee. And then, like, fast forward to high school, I did that newspaper as well. And I was their entertainment editor. I did a lot of opinion writing, especially about like black issues. I went to a, a private school with, um, you know, um, I, I'm privileged myself, but with a lot of other like privileged kids. Um, and I, you know, kind of took it upon myself to, you know, give an educational side to journalism. Yeah. Um, I also, um, at the end of high school, I became an editor at Affinity Magazine. Um, when Affinity Magazine was first starting up. I don't know if you know them, they're a teen magazine. Um, they're doing great stuff today. Um, and I ended up leaving then, going off to college and doing my college newspaper. So that's kind of like my whole, like journalistic history, I guess. And then um, I did a few internships um, while I was in college as well. So yeah, yeah. magazine internships and stuff. I have never stuck with something so long. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. What about Isaac? Oh, but I, I kept leaving and coming back to it. It's different. Like, this is a whole career path. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost born to do and continue to do your whole life. 
So just like knowing all the th things that you've experienced throughout journalism, what kind of sparked the interest for you? Like what made it feel like it was your calling? I don't like to say like a passion, but I am very drawn to the written word. I have, I still keep every journal I've ever had since I was a kid. I have to write things down to get them out of my head. And so no matter what I was doing, I'd probably be doing something that involves writing. Um, I was never really interested in broadcast, um, but I didn't, I, you know, you watch like Oprah. I mean, I, people don't consider Oprah a journalist, but sometimes I do, um, you know, you watch like 60 minutes and stuff like that. And you're like, they're asking important questions. And when they ask them, people actually give them the answers and they don't have to. And I'm a very curious person. I'll ask any question. No question is stupid. I really, I'm just, I'm very curious about things. When people, the things that people aren't talking about, the things that um, people don't want to talk about that make them uncomfortable, you know, I'm like, information is out there. Like, why not just ask the questions, do the research, put it together. So I'll be a little bit less, uncomfortable um you know we can get answers if we really really want them and that's that's kind of what journalists do so yeah okay i'm sorry i have this question it's kind of it's kind of divergent but you said that you had uh journals like looking back to all the journals that i had like growing up they were all about boys and i'm like <laughs> what was i doing like, all this time like why was this all i talked about like for you like what did you, you speak know, about you were the same we are the same, okay? Really? I would say 85% of my journal writing had to do with boys. I was just talking to someone about this. I would say, yeah, a lot of it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> I was like looking back, I was like, Chanel, little Chanel, what were you doing? <laughs> That's so funny. I was actually just looking at a journal I had from last year, like this time last year, and I was still talking about boys in my journal. And I was looking back now and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why? Why? Why would I do this to myself? <laughs> okay, okay, good. I mean, I what else was that important at that age, you know? Yeah. There, what, what other pressing situations were there? It's like, how can I get a boyfriend? When? Yeah. <laughs> how long can I keep him? I'm like 15. <laughs> how long can I keep him? <laughs> I'm crying. Exactly. <laughs> So now that we got that out the way. <laughs> I like that you pointed out 16 minutes when you were kind of describing um, different ways that people report or tell stories. Because I think one of the things that I really appreciate and like about 16 minutes is that they dedicate so much of the time to get the full story. But mm -hmm. so, much, so much of what we see now is like such fast news. Like it's one second, it's this breaking news. And then the second, it's this next story. And it's like, you get so overwhelmed by the content that you're um, provided with. So how do you in your career or just your own passions differentiate what is important, what can be ignored, I, could, I should say? Yeah, I think that's really hard. <laughs> I have the most trouble with that because, especially when I was um, an intern, I, I, um, like I interned at, you know, uh, like digital first publications. And most of my day as an intern is news gathering, which I put, the, I put air quotes around that because news gathering at a digital first, um, website or magazine is being on Twitter all day, being on Instagram all day, checking trends, seeing what people are talking about. And that means all I was doing all day is scrolling through Twitter and reading nonsense um, and people's opinions about things. And it gets so overwhelming, especially when it's like, oh, I want to take a break from socials, but this is my job, you know? <clears throat> so I think just like 
filtering my social media intake, like, and trying to, like I say, like all these things are tools. We don't really use them as tools. We use them as like, just our idle scrolling, but I'm trying to convince myself that like Instagram is a tool, Twitter is a tool, even like, um, what are those called? There, I have some tools that I used to use to, um, that would grab information from websites. I think it's called Feedly. Um, an RSS feed, that's what it's called. Ha! Even like using your RSS feed as a tool um, or the newsletters, curating the newsletters that come into your email inbox um, and using the tools that are available to you limit the nonsense that gets into your day. You know, Twitter has the list function. So instead of viewing like my, my super huge, I'm trying not to curse. <laughs> instead of viewing my super huge timeline, um, with everyone I follow, I narrow it down to, I have like a Boston news one. I narrow it down to like the legislators that I follow, the radio stations that I follow in the area. Um, there's another one I have for people. If I use them wisely, I can make sure that the information that I'm getting is pertinent to what I need to do today or pertinent to what I need to know. For example, I'm not subscribed to the Boston Globe because um, I'm subscribed to a lot of newspapers and that's a lot of subscription money, but I get their um, medical newsletter in my inbox and I get their breaking news newsletter in my inbox as well as I think their metro and though I can't view the whole article I get the headline and I know how many new coronavirus deaths have there been I know how many new cases there have been every single day they email me um, and then when it comes to metro you know I know what's going on in my neighborhood and if I want to learn more then like okay I'll do the subscription but um, it's it's being I have to be strategic um, especially when there is so much information out there. You know, there are healthy ways to use the internet, still figuring it out, but, um, you know, take it day by day. <laughs> what about you guys? Like for like finding information? Yeah. News? Yeah. Um, like Instagram, truthfully. Like I'm not even on Twitter. Like I just, I just um, down, like re-downloaded Twitter the other day because I was like looking for a black Twitter. And it's hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I get most of my news from like Instagram and then um but then I follow like a lot of the like the news sources. So like when I was living in France, I followed a lot of like the major um news like news papers, I guess, but like their social media pages. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would get my information. And then of course, I think it does there's the whole idea of like how news can be so violent sometimes and very aggressive and in your face. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I feel like I have to filter that out sometimes like you have to decide on what you're going to take when you're going to take it. And then especially with like the um, Black Lives Matter movement and how intense it was for the past few months, I felt so overwhelmed. Like I, I really felt like I was going to like a deep depression because of all the news I was taking in all at once. Yeah. And sometimes I had to give myself a break. So yeah, it becomes, it, it, it could become a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think sometimes trying to keep up on trends or even just trying to keep up on news in general can be super overwhelming because there's so many different sources and you don't always know which one is the most accurate or the least biased because there's always going to be some sort of bias in reporting. Sometimes it's hard to discern between what's truth and what's bias. Um, I think it's interesting that Chanel mentioned that she gets a lot of news from social media. I've been hearing that a lot lately, especially ever since um, like Black Lives Matter became more prominent uh, due to the death of George Floyd. I know like a lot of people were sharing resources on Instagram and Twitter in particular. But something that I noticed is that um, as these movements are taking place, more and more 
of people that belong to our generation are trying to use social media um, to get their news. And I don't always think it's the best way to do so. I've seen a lot of like threads and stuff on Instagram that just weren't accurate um, and people kept resharing anyway. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on social media journalism or uh, I don't know, like how, I don't know how people can be more informed about social media. I mean, I know people understand that everything you see on social media isn't always accurate, but I think for some reason lately, it hasn't really been like making sense to some people or even like, even for me, sometimes I look at something and I'm like, I don't know if this is true. Like, how can I figure out if it is or not? Cause like a lot of large outlets or news stations aren't actually reporting on this. So it's very hard to find accurate information. I think one of those things, like you're mentioning, Amory, was the thing with Palestine where people noticed that it wasn't on the map. And they mm -hmm. were like sharing this, like, it was an inaccurate post, like Google Maps took Palestine off the map. And then later they found that it was just never there. So that's like one of the things that I noticed and made me realize that maybe I shouldn't always, you know, rely so much on social media. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard, too, because if you're following a lot of accounts that have similar ideas to you, um, you might just assume, like, like for me, I was seeing a lot of the same posts over and over. So in my mind, I was like, oh, there's a greater quantity of these posts. They must be accurate. But then after I started reading them, I was like, this just doesn't make any sense. Like, I know my friends are intelligent people, but I just don't understand. Like, this is so blatantly not correct. I, actually, I love you, Chanel. But do you remember that post when coronavirus was, uh, uh, when COVID-19 first, like, was on the rise and then they were showing all of those individual posts um, or photos of different parts in the world where like the environment was being returned to its natural state and it showed like dolphins swimming in the Venice Canal. And Chanel sent it to me and she was like, guys, I know COVID is really bad, but <laughs> I'm like, look, look at all these amazing things that are happening. And then I did a Google search and I saw that these photos were not even accurate. Like they showed the ones of the elephants that were apparently drinking wine. I forget what country it was in, but they were, like, drinking wine in the vineyards, and then I remember somebody said, like, we don't even have these types of elephants in our country. I don't know what you're talking about. I was so disappointed. I was like, <laughs> so this is just a bad dad. There's nothing good out of this. Okay. <laughs> but everybody was reposting that. I saw so many people sharing that on Instagram, and for yeah. me, I'm not an expert on wildlife or the environment so for me I was like okay I guess this is possible like maybe they have dolphins in Italy I'm not really sure but <laughs> okay yeah I think um the conversation about social media and journalism is like just so it's such a large conversation that mm -hmm. like I will not be able to cover in the amount of time that we have but I will say like like here's a like a so like a funny example is like you know, the brooms, okay? When you stand, you stand up the broom oh, and yeah. or a gravitational pull, you remember that? Okay, me, I'm the type of person where when somebody, you know, somebody throws a link into the group chat or a screenshot into the group chat, I'm like, source? And it's annoying, but mm. naturally that's the way that I am. But when the NASA broom thing came about, I like my brain like didn't do that and I was like oh my god this is so cool not once did I google anything from NASA I didn't even check their Twitter nothing you know mm -hmm. and you know I tried to convince one of my close friends that like it was true because I really thought it was because everybody that I knew was standing their broom up in the middle of their kitchen <laughs> I was like it's so cool and then the next day I because I, I follow CNN on Instagram and it was just like a picture of a broom and it said hoax. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't real. And then I was like, like a duh, Morgan. Like you could have just Googled it. That's literally what you always do. How, you're such a bad journalist. 
but I didn't because like I'm human and I consume news just like everybody else. Um, and I do get a lot of my news from social media. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, a lot of my friends question me as to why I say like something I say a lot is like, don't get your news from the shade room. And you know, my friends will be like, why? Like I get most, they're like, I get most of my news from the shade room. You know, most of the people I know do not have a, a New York Times subscription, Boston Globe subscription, Washington Post, nothing, you know, not even their, they don't watch their local news. They get their news from the shade room um, or other like Instagram accounts or YouTube accounts that like aggregate, oops, that aggregate news on their own. And, you know, they're like, why not get news from the shade room? Like they, they post stuff that's accurate all the time. I'm like, yes, don't get me wrong. They do. And that's fine. Um, but they're, you know, you have to, you have to think when you view somebody's posts, like what is their goal for posting this, A, and B, where did they get it from? Um, I just think that the source of where you're getting things from is so, so important, whether you're looking at something on social media or whether you're reading something in a newspaper, like sources is what builds up the entire story. So, you know, a lot of the purposes of the posts on The Shade Room are to start a conversation um to to be entertaining um and some some i emphasis on some some tv news is also like that as well that while they do prioritize you know accuracy and fairness they also prioritize entertainment and what their audience will like because you know you're gonna make money based off of views and if some news um, isn't as captivating to your audience, you're going to focus on other news that is more captivating, that may not be as important, um, or may not come from sources that have the public's best interests at heart. And like I said, this is some TV news, not all TV news is like that. So, you know, in terms of like social media and journalism, like journalism isn't obsolete because of social media you know just because we share our news like collectively on social media together doesn't mean that journalism is obsolete it just means that journalism has a new avenue to mm. work with and some some journalists use it well and some don't i'm just now learning how to properly use social media in order to, to talk about stories that i'm reporting on connect with sources connect with readers even um, you know, people send stuff in my DMs all the time saying, can you cover this? You know, it's a good thing. It's a good tool. Um, it's, I think it, I think it becomes difficult when, um, I think people from our generation don't particularly rely on journalists and reporters as much as like older generations did, mm -hmm. like especially boomers. They didn't have social media. They had the news. That was it. You know, the reason that they opened the newspaper every day and they religiously read, you know, magazines is because that's what was, that's all that was there, mm -hmm. you know, um, and people who didn't, bless you, Thank you. <laughs> people who didn't, um, you know, maybe they relied on gossip with their, from their friends or um, propaganda directly from certain people. Um, there was no like, middle ground or middleman of social media so those of us like me and gen z who grew up with social media the first place that i experienced news is not in in is not in a physical sense it's on social media and that can lead me to think this is where news is this is where it's accurate and journalists are doing an an extra job 
um, of looking deeper into it. And so I don't have to rely on them because there are so many accounts out there who are giving me information. Why would I need to read a long article from somebody who does that for a living when I have social media? Um, like that is a literal thought process that I've had. Um, and I, I, so, and I say that because I think maybe other people have had that. So, um, when it, so then when more attention is put onto a journalist who is like, Hey, that might be wrong or Hey, that's not accurate. Or, Hey, I talked to so-and-so or, Hey, I went and took a video or a photo of this to let you guys know that this is the information that you need. Other people are like, who are you? I don't follow you. I don't know your name. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's your, well, it's, it's your job to do that. Well, I don't, I don't trust you. I trust, you know, at whomever. Um, and so I think that's kind of where it becomes a problem is that if they're, you know, the best thing a journalist can have is like trust with their readers. Uh, otherwise, you know, no matter what you say, your reader's not going to believe you. And so a lot of Instagram and Twitter accounts have more trust with their readers than some newspapers do right now. Um, I don't, I don't think it's inherently bad, but I think, um, you know, no matter what we need journalists and reporters and they're always going to be a necessity. And that's, maybe I'm a little biased there, but, um, <laughs> they're always going to be needed because at the end of the day, it is an Instagram or Twitter's job to be accurate or fair or, you know, quote unquote objective. Um, it's the reporter's job to do so or else you lose your job. <laughs> Sorry, that was super long winded, but I, I have, you know, I think about this a lot. No, but it's okay. That's, oh, that's, that's so interesting. I feel like I have so many questions. Like my mind is going <laughs> in so many places. I don't even know where to start. Okay, I'm going to start with, okay, so I know you mentioned that a lot of people our age don't really trust a lot of major news outlets. They don't have subscriptions to New York Times or any other large um, newspapers or even pay attention to like uh, cable television. Apparently that's not a thing anymore. Somebody was telling me that the other day. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. So I'm wondering why do you think this is the case? And if it is the case, how can we help or how can journalists help build more trust with their watchers? Mm. Not watchers, with their viewers. Viewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like watchers. <laughs> watching me. <laughs> but it like I just want to tell a quick story. I remember the other day I had a friend and she posted some like really good resource about I want to say it was a Black Lives Matter resource, and I thought it was really informative, and I hadn't seen something that comprehensive and important, so I, like, reshared it to my story, and I told her I thought it was a really good resource, and she messaged me back and said, thanks, I think that major news outlets aren't doing their job right now, so we have to take that role on, and for me, I thought, I understood what she was saying, and I thought it was a powerful statement, and it was really great to be taking initiative, but at the same time, not everybody is qualified to be sharing these resources and they don't know if they're accurate like journalists the journal ugh, journalists are trained for the specific purpose so it's not just a job that any average person can take on no matter how intelligent they might be if we don't have the training we don't know what exactly is accurate and how we can best portray that information to other people yeah i think the first thing i want to say about that is that the distrust that i talk about is merited you know it's valid and as much as that hurts me, you know, like pains me going into the industry, I also like have met other journalists and I have met some people who should not be on the job. I've talked to some people who, um, like, you know, like you said earlier, 
um, bias always makes it into the reporting. You know, humans are naturally biased, um, but depending on the bias that you have, you can you can really mess this up. You know, it's very possible. So the in a lot of situations, the distrust is merited. You know, I don't think um, journalism is is um, uh, I guess when it comes to Black Lives Matter, I, you know, I don't think that journalism is like inherently um, um, uh, against marginalized peoples. Um, what I do think is that because uh, racist people um, exist in the industry, that it will perpetuate itself in the industry. I think that's that's inevitable. Um, you know, good reporting is going to come out of somebody who is trained well, um, who's self-aware of their of their own biases and so i think i think the distrust is merited you know we've seen a lot of people saying you know how dare they take pictures of reporters of not i'm sorry not of reporters of protesters um saying that it's dangerous or um you know how dare you quote this person and you didn't ask so-and-so about this you didn't ask so-and-so about that you know i think some people don't understand the process that journalists go through um in terms of getting all sides of the story some people don't like that journalists are getting all sides of the story because they only want their side of the story told. So um, some of that distrust, it comes from a place of just past hurt, especially, you know, even in, even in local news, of local newspapers just completely ignoring certain communities because uh, they don't want to get involved or they don't think that the coverage of those people is important. Um, you see that a lot with Native American issues. You see it a lot with um, Asian American issues. It's unfair. Um, and it's bad journalism. And so I'm not, I don't get surprised or like particularly hurt by the fact that people don't trust journalists right now. Um, what I, what does tend to upset me is, I don't want to say upset, but what, <laughs> what does rub me the wrong way is when people think that they know exactly what a journalist does mm -hmm. and that somehow like they're taking advantage of their position. Journalism is a service job. A lot of people may not think of it that way, but you're in service to your community. Um, it's not like some, some big thing that you get certified for like a lawyer and like you get disbarred if you do something bad. It's, it's, um, it's essential to like democracy as a whole. <laughs> it's what keeps democracy alive. And so, um, I think there are not enough people who know the rights of journalists, who know um, why they're out there doing what they're doing. Um, even like, do you guys even know what like on the record, off the record, on background means? Like, do you know, when you're talking to a reporter, people don't know their rights. Um, they don't understand um, what, um, why things are attributed the way that they are. And so um, when they read an article, it's like, well, why do they do that? that that's not right um it's not there are people in the industry who do take advantage of the power that they might have depending on what media outlet they're a part of but i don't think that it's as pervasive as people think it is and then when it comes to the media isn't reporting on this which is a is a big thing i have a problem with um because I see it all day, all day long. You know, you log on to Twitter and it's like, don't let the media overshadow what's happening right now. And the movement, you know, is still happening despite the media not reporting on it. And I'm like, I'm reading this tweet as I'm like, 
at a protest right now, like with my camera, like shedding a little tear because I'm like, I'm the media. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm there right now. You know, you see a lot of that, like the media isn't covering this. The media isn't doing that. How dare they not give this attention? Um, I'm going to go as far as to say that that's blatantly untrue because most of the time when I see that, when I click on the quote tweet or the video, the video is from a journalist. (laughs) Would you believe that? (laughs) People are quoting things from journalists and saying the media isn't reporting on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they'll say, you know, they got, they got the story wrong because they didn't talk to so-and-so, but if you read it from another outlet, maybe another outlet did it better. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what people might really be upset with is that the national news moves on so fast because there's so much to cover and they do have to focus on what their readers want to see. But when it comes to local news, um, they're out there every day. They're at every pro, not me necessarily, but they're out there every day. They're at every protest. They're covering every single bill that's going out. They're knocking on people's doors. They're talking to all the families. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, despite the fact that local news is in peril right now, um, I think what people have to understand is that CNN and Fox and NBC are not the only news outlets that are there and they're not gonna cover things as closely as you need. Um, Follow your local news. If you watch TV, watch your local news. Um, Look for newspapers that, um, you know, if you're Latinx, um, in Boston there's, um, uh, what is it called, El Mundo, you know, like, there are, there are Latinx newspapers. I work for a, a predominantly black newspaper, a historically black newspaper that, co- that has been covering urban communities since 1965. We're out here, you know? Mm-hmm. Follow your local news. If you're in Miami, the Miami Herald may seem like a huge paper. The Sun Sentinel may seem like a huge paper, but they are as local as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about the national news and what you see on Instagram. There are reporters out there every single day who are getting the everyday information out to regular people like you. And if you follow them directly on Twitter, oftentimes they are live reporting or live tweeting the things that they see. Um, it's, if, and if they're not covering it, which happens, tell them. <laughs> they are in service to you. Right. So DM them and be like, hey, you missed this. I can help. I can tell you who to talk to. And we can get this information out there so more people can hear about it. You miss this. Um, we can't be everywhere all at once. Um, but local news, man, I mean, I, like I said, you know, I may be a little biased because I'm part of an organization that is trying to revive local news, but they're really doing the dang thing. I will say that, when, especially when it comes to Black Lives Matter. They're out there every day. There was a biking protest in Boston the other day. Like, what, 400 people on bikes? And we're saying, well, I didn't hear about that. But if you were there, you definitely saw photographers there Mm -hmm. from the banner, from both radio stations here in Boston. It's, it's definitely, they're out there. I promise. And I think a part of that is also people kind of loosening their reins on their end as well as like deciding not to do more research or look further to see maybe the media is still covering. It's almost like if it's not showing up on my timeline, timeline anymore, then we can kind of move on from it. And so I think also with that like aggressive tone, it kind of gets the people that follow them to feel equally the same and then kind of follow everything that they're perpetuating on their channel or their page. So I definitely, I can admit that I've been like guilty of 
retweeting stuff that says that like the media is not doing this but i think the point you made is really important to be aware that there are people who are still at the front line you know documenting a lot of the historical stuff that's happening and photojournalists as well you know sometimes it's not always a written story but um if you do follow i i talk about the miami herald a lot because i think their instagram is really cool mm -hmm. <laughs> and even if they don't do a story on it they send a photographer there so at least you can see what's going on mm -hmm. That's awesome. I think it's really cool how you're talking about the importance of reviving local news. I've been doing a lot of work related to increasing like voter turnout, um, especially for local elections. And for some reason, I think people just always like to participate in like the big picture, um, mm -hmm. top level type thing. So it's always they're always looking at like large news outlets or um, mainly voting in federal elections um, instead of like anything at the local level. And so I'm wondering, like, I think for people sometimes the reason why they go towards the bigger name places is because they've heard of them before and so they don't need to go out and do their own research or um, it's just difficult sometimes to find the right news sources. Like it takes time to find someone you can trust, um, an organization you believe in. So I'm wondering how do you think that people our age can go out and find the best news sources for them that are at the local level and might be reporting on stories that they're passionate about or really interested in? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I would say if you hear about something from a friend or from like maybe a, an organ like a grassroots organization that you follow or a nonprofit that you follow, um, they talk to newspapers often, you know? Uh, so when you do a, like do a Google search um, quickly, you know, like, oh, I heard about a, a, so something I've been covering, like I, I mainly cover the state house in Massachusetts and I've been covering their police reform bills. Um, and so let's say you hear like, oh, the, there's this police reform bill going through the Senate. I don't even know what that means. Is it, is it gonna, is it gonna stop, you know, the no knock warrants that led to the killing of Breonna Taylor? Mm -hmm. So you Google like police reform bill, Massachusetts Senate, click past the first page, you know, don't just stay on that first page. Maybe just click to the second one. You see a source you've never seen before. It could be like a... It could be a left-wing publication. It could be a right-wing publication. It could be something very neutral. It could be a blog, you know, but it's not, um, give it a chance, I would say. They probably have information that you don't, from a perspective that you don't have. And if you end up reading something that you're like, oh, that information was really helpful, click on the bio of that writer. Mm -hmm. Usually their Twitter or Instagram is in their bio. A lot of websites are doing that now. You know, go to their Twitter, see what they're doing, see what they're like. Especially if it's local news, they probably live in your community. They probably go to your grocery store. Um, they are regular people and the stuff that they're reporting on affects them too. Um, so they're, oftentimes they are going to have like the nuance that, that they would want um, when reading as like a regular citizen. If it's a college thing, um, definitely look for the college newspaper. Get, you know, give those kids the credit they deserve. <laughs> um, it doesn't always have to be, you know, obviously like local and national outlets do a great job of reporting on universities, but I think nobody has a closer perspective than the people who go to those universities. So if it's a university issue, you know, look at, look at their, their student newspaper and see how the student newspaper is covering it. Maybe they're doing a good job. Maybe you should follow them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, know if um like i said like there are going to be people who 
maybe are not doing such a great job or they're going to be people like me who are new to it and maybe they don't post as often or write as often um but i would say definitely be open-minded to the the chance that they have more information that you don't have mm -hmm. via your own sources um and definitely give the benefit of the doubt of this is this is their job it is it's their job to like do their due do, do excuse me <laughs> <laughs> to do their due diligence um mm -hmm. and talk to everyone that may have the information and on top of that don't think that a journalist always knows what they're talking about because uh, it's not necessarily their job to know what they're talking about it's their job to ask the right questions um you know oftentimes i don't know anything about the topic writing about a bill in the senate was difficult for me because i don't know all the jargon and when you if, if you've ever read through the text of a bill you're like what <laughs> what, does this, what does this mean like hereafters and therefores and all kinds of like <laughs> that just i don't use in everyday speak um it's let the let the let the journalist let the reporter like do the hard work for you and they'll read it and they'll outline it for you and and get the bits and pieces that you need to you know make decisions in your life that's kind of that's the goal um <laughs> They don't always know what they're talking about, but they know they know the right questions to ask and they know who to ask. Um, I did wanna ask a little bit about like following papers or sources that are different from your your views. I know for like um when the election of, you know, in what what, what year was that? Twenty twenty? Better elections are every four years, honey. Now <laughs> you should get your citizenship taken away for that. <laughs> <laughs> when that election happened like i was i was sure i was like of course hillary clinton's gonna win like how was how was that man gonna make into office like all the sources i was reading everything just pointed to this one thing and i was like how is this possible i mean of course there was other things that factored into it but i think um i was in a class i was taking a political science class at that same time and my teacher was like well the sources that you're reading, the things that you're seeing, of course, they're going to be biased to like your to your views. But of course, on the other side, people have different thoughts. The way things are happening are differently. Not everyone thinks the same way you do. Mm -hmm. And I think I was just very surprised when a lot of the students, even in the university I was going to, were largely Republican. I was like, but I thought we all shared the same mindset. I thought we all had the same values. So I don't know, like, what is your thoughts on looking at publications that are very different from your views and maybe aren't, I guess, I don't know, aligned to what you usually see? Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun time for me because that was my first time voting and I was also a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. um, and I really was just, I like to think of myself as informed but at the time, I think maybe I was just very jaded. There's a thing that I, I'm sure you've heard this term before. It's called the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. You set yourself up where it's like everything you see and say like just comes right back to you because all your friends believe what you do, all the outlets you follow say exactly what you want them to say. I think, I think partially like there's nothing wrong with making 
you know, the internet a safe space for yourself. And, the, and in person, there's nothing wrong with having safe spaces for yourself where you can be around people who are going to validate what is going on in your brain. I think it is essential <laughs> that you have, especially at this time, <laughs> that you have, you know, safe spaces like that. But I will say, I learned the most when I compared the stuff that I believed with stuff that I absolutely had no idea about. In one of my journalism classes, I learned a lot about, oh gosh, what is it called? Breitbart? Is that, I want to like Google it. It's like a, I want to say quote unquote right wing because right wing can be defined by, defined by a lot of things and I don't want to misrepresent the right wing, but it's a quote unquote right wing publication. And I remember when we opened it in class, the first thing on the homepage was um, House Representative, I think her, uh, her name is pronounced, ooh. <laughs> Il Ilhan, Ilhan Omar. Oh no, I don't want to pronounce her name wrong. <laughs> oh, Representative Omar. Yeah, just it's okay, she's not listening, I promise. <laughs> yeah, she won't know, she won't know. I'm like, oh gosh, I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, uh, I think she'd gotten a divorce or something, and that was like the first thing on the page, and I was like, oh geez, like they really like to smear like left-wing people and Democrats, mm -hmm. and when you go into their like about page, they're like, we're, they have like a, a presser that you can kind of read about them. And it's like, we're about seeking the truth about the government, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's very like journal journo speak of like mm -hmm. fair and fairness and accuracy and uncovering the truth and being a watchdog and investigating, you know, all those like journalistic -y words that um, make you sound like, you're doing a good job um, and uncovering the truth for your readers. But um, it was very clear from the content that they did target certain people. Um, but reading their, reading stories that I already knew about in their rhetoric mm -hmm. made me more prepared for real life situations. Made me more prepared for like, how do I say this? it made me more aware of what was really going on in government and not just what was going on through the eyes of my favorite reporters or my favorite left, quote unquote, left wing people, you know, or my friends who like certain representatives or Congress people. So I, I think I can definitely make the mistake of being like woefully uninformed because I'm so informed by one person. Like that happens to me a lot. <laughs> it's like, oh, I think I'm super informed, but I'm not because I only have it from one reporter and one reporter is not enough. And they also are not perfect at their job, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the echo chamber can, I, I, I deal with that problem a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like especially now, we already talked about social media, but I feel like social media can be one of the biggest echo chambers and it's so problematic at times. I remember as well for the 2016 election, one of the biggest issues was Facebook and basically the type of media that people were consuming on Facebook and the Facebook, al uh, the Facebook algorithms were actually showing people information that they knew confirmed their own biases. And as a result, it really impacted the, or I mean, there's no proof that it impacted the elections, but I mean, there's virtually no way that it didn't. So <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it impacted the election. 
but it's, it's a very similar mentality. Like for instance, for me, I actually worked the polls for that first election. Um, and I live in Staten Island where most people vote Republican. So I just remember everybody coming in with like MAGA hats and they're all like super like pro-Trump. I remember sitting there like, haha, like this is such a joke. Like he's never going to win. Um, and then I remember leaving the polls and seeing the stats, like the pre, um, the pre-official stats. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Because I was inside all day, like just counting ballots and stuff. And then I walked out and I was like, I just don't understand what's happening right now. How is this possible? Because for me, even though Staten Island is mainly Republican, all the people I surrounded myself with weren't um, and had very different ideas about who we were voting for. And I think a lot of people kind of live in that, their own echo chamber where they just, everything kind of validates their opinions. And it can be scary sometimes to listen to other people's opinions, especially if you don't agree. And it's hard to have those difficult conversations because you don't always have to agree on things, but if you don't understand the other perspective, then you're never really going to understand what's happening in the world right now. Like it can't just be about what you think in your head, even though like, I don't know, I like to think I'm always right, but most of the time I'm not. So I have to listen to other people too and understand what they're saying. So I have a question. Um, Chanel, you mentioned earlier, like I'm back on Twitter because I'm trying to find black Twitter, you know, and I have lots of problems with Twitter that we don't have enough time for. But <laughs> Wait, is Twitter dead? I just, I feel like for Twitter's so not long, dead, I promise. It's uh, not dead now, but I feel like there was a period of time where it just felt dead to me. I don't know if it was just because it was dead to me or if it was like, if it was actually dead. I feel like it like revived in like the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. A brief time where I was just like, I don't understand. Why do I even have a Twitter anymore? I, my question is, is kind of along those lines of like, you're on, if you're all on Twitter, what Twitter do you think you're on? You know, if so, you guys have TikTok. Unfortunately, so on TikTok, there's like a trend going around. It's like, welcome to Alt TikTok. Like you made it to Alt TikTok because the algorithm showed you this video, or welcome to like you're on Hamilton TikTok, or you're on Black Girl Magic TikTok, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's a joke, but it's a real thing because that's the algorithm gives you stuff that you want. Yeah. So when it comes to Twitter, like, what Twitter do you think you're on? Because everybody is on a different one. Yeah. Some, uh, I can, um, <laughs> I'm still fine. I'm still trying to find black <laughs> I guess some posts, but I know there's more because I don't be seeing the memes and stuff that people send on Instagram. What do you see on your feed? You know, I'm just curious. I want to know what everybody kind of sees on their feed just to get a sense. Somebody else go. I got to find it. Okay, I'll go because I'm easy. I don't really use Twitter. I'm not a fan of the platform. I just, I feel like messages are too abbreviated if I want news. I mean, I don't, I'm not bashing anyone who uses Twitter for news, but for me, it's just not the most effective way. So my Twitter is still like primarily like, it's my middle school slash high school Twitter where I'm just like following One Direction and all these like boy bands. So it's just honestly all like fan accounts and that's it. And Twitter. <laughs> it's basically my, my fangirl Twitter, but my real Twitter. And then recently I just had like a resurge of like voting posts and that's what I've been resharing, but I really don't use it for anything else but to reshare stuff like that and resources I think are important. Yeah. Just to piggyback, I used to be on fangirl Twitter because my Twitter was like Justin Bieber something. Ew! Justin Bieber! Bieber. I was Don't let her judge you. I love him. Oh Don't let her judge I was a believer my majority of my life and look, you still am. Um, but now my Twitter, I would say, is like meme slash black Twitter. Um, just because the majority of the stuff I see, it like relates to those communities. Um, and then there's also like doses of political Twitter in there as well just because I don't really like to look at politics on Twitter because I see it as such a like 
jokey kind of app for me personally, but I definitely see that some people get a lot of their information, like whether it's news or whatever from Twitter, but that's not what my, that's not what my feed looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's on my feed right now is Anita doing some pirouettes. Okay, girl. <laughs> You followed me recently. I have no idea how you found my Twitter because I don't like people following me on Twitter. So I left you in my like requested box for a little while. I just think about it. I was like, all I got is Anita on here, truthfully. I'm on Anita Twitter, apparently. <laughs> oh my God. So Chanel is on Anita Twitter. <laughs> so basically, none of us are using Twitter in the most effective way. Moral of the story. <laughs> I wish I like knew better to like give you guys like advice on it but I struggle with the app so much like I used to be I've been on Twitter for a very long time like too long um and I used to be on like fun Twitter like where there's memes and stuff and like I've never I've never been on I don't know quote-unquote black Twitter I don't I don't think I'm necessarily part of that but there did come a day when I realized that people are using Twitter for completely different reasons than I am. Mm -hmm. And their expectations for conversations are completely different than mine. And so it's like, if I do have to like give advice to people on like using social media, like in like a healthy way, I always just say like, stop having conversations with people on Twitter. Like yeah. stop, like stop talking to people on Twitter and, mm -hmm. and just don't go on it this often. Like that's all I can say. Because <laughs> you never like the creation of humanity you know like you were never meant to hear people's opinions all the time mm. that's just not a thing like you were never meant to hear that um and that's overwhelming and it's like okay to be overwhelmed by it. like you're not meant to hear everybody's like waking thought about a certain issue it's like at the end of the day it's going to be more destructive than helpful for you like making coming up with your own opinions um and then the way that a conversation starts on twitter is never like the way that it's actually going to go in person it's never going to it never ends in a constructive way you know it just results in somebody replying like well that's that's rude because it doesn't apply to me or like <laughs> or something like that or like actually that's wrong because i'm an expert and blah 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 like that like that's not how conversations happen in real life like it's it doesn't end up being productive and then honestly it just ends in people like bullying each other. Oh. So I don't, you know, no matter what Twitter you're on, like have more, just have more conversations in person. Talk to your friends. If you're that concerned about an issue or you really want to learn something, talk to your friends, talk to your family, have tough conversations, do a Google search. Twitter is a great, jumping off point in my opinion it's a place to start and then when you hear something you go somewhere else and ask somebody or look it up or do some reading you know but it's not it can't for me personally it can't be the end of where I get my information it can like only be the start mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point and just like a question that I thought of and maybe a way to start to conclude our discussion as well is how do you think we can take the information that we get from these platforms and bring it into our everyday lives? Like, I think for me, I've been so overwhelmed by all the stuff I've seen on Instagram and Twitter. There's so much stuff in my saved folder that I'm never going to see anyways. I just, I kind of clutter it in there. But how do we take those conversations, especially if they're tough conversations from those platforms into our everyday life, especially if they're also a bit biased to our own opinions? Like how do we navigate those discussions with people? 
I guess I'm also just very curious about what other people think about things because I'm always kind of afraid of that like what I'm thinking mm-hmm. isn't isn't real if that makes sense <laughs> but yeah it's like I want to make sure that if I'm thinking this way I want to see what other people are thinking as well I want to see if our thoughts align I want to see their point of view um also like understanding that I'm I'm super open to changing my mind changing my perspective which is funny because I'm a tourist and I'm supposed to be really stubborn but um I think with just having conversations I just realized so much that just because I think a certain way doesn't mean everybody else thinks that way mm-hmm. and I think the thing that really pushed this for me is traveling um like I remember I was in Italy with one of my friends and she's from Turkey and her ideas of like what a uh, terrorist organization is is very different from like what my idea of it is what my friend in Spain's idea of it is like the way that media is in every single different country and how they present information to everyone is so different and it it pretty much forms the way our mind is Mm -hmm. so I have to realize like just because I'm receiving this information and it might be true from this point of view it might be something completely different for somebody else living a different reality and just because this is my reality, it does not mean it's everyone's reality. I think that's so important to realize when having conversations. Like, I'm talking about traveling, but this is even in me living in the Bronx. Like, the people who live next door to me, their reality and how they see the world and how they interact with it could be completely different um, compared to what I do and how I live it. So I think that's so important and why it's so important to have conversations in general and realize that everyone everyone's point of view is valid mm-hmm. yeah i think <laughs> i think it's valid until proven not <laughs> i yeah. think it could be valid according to your opinion but unfortunately everyone is entitled to their own opinion even if it's not something you agree with unfortunately unfortunately yeah unfortunately um so i think my mentality is very very similar to chanel's I tend to, I understand that I don't know everything, so I always try to come into conversations with an open mind, and I also try to give sources and tell information that I know when I know that it's valid. Sometimes it's really difficult to do this, especially, like, if there's a lot of hot um, or big pressing topics in the media that you want to talk about, and it can be really overwhelming to constantly feel like you have to share this information with people, but for me, I make it a goal to talk to somebody at least once a day, have a conversation about something I don't always know the most about or something that's been bothering me and I want to talk about and get another perspective on. Um, and I think for me, the most effective thing I've been doing right now is talking to my family about it. Um, I think it's really important to get an older, not that my parents are old, but like an older generation's opinion about things, especially when I know they have really different perspectives than me. And I think sometimes talking to family can be even scarier than talking to somebody that you don't know, because these are the people you live with sometimes. Um, and if you piss them off, then your life is going to be a living hell. So I know that if I can talk to my parents about these topics that we might disagree on, then I can also talk to other people about them and it won't be as scary. So I think starting in a safe place is a really good thing to do because then you know that you know what to expect um, and you know that you can bring these ideas and these tactics to other communities or other people that you want to talk to. And always just asking questions. People love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their opinions. You don't always have to be there to correct them. If you feel like something is wrong that they're saying as far as factually, then I always correct or I always give them a source where I know um, that more information that's valid is included. But 
I want to listen and I want to learn because if I don't understand then I will never have the football perspective and I'll never really understand what's going on in the world. So I think starting small and starting in a safe space is the best thing to do. I guess, I guess I'll go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to say, you know, like, I like to say I'm a baby journalist. I'm probably going to, you know, listen back to this in 10 years and be like, oh my God, listen to how I was talking about this. I thought I knew everything. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm not an editor uh, anymore. <laughs> I'm not, um, you know, I haven't been in the industry for that long of a time. I've been around veterans in the industry. I've been, you know, taught by some great people, but I'm still, you know, right at the beginning of my career. So, you know, take everything I say with, with a grain of, with a grain of salt, because I'm not an expert, but you know, what, what I will say is like, when it comes to like discussing with other people, I did, I like wrote some notes down while we were talking. <laughs> Aww, that's so cute. You know, focus on facts. Try to focus on facts as much as possible. I think what we don't realize about consuming news or even gossip or anything, we, any information that we consume eventually is going to influence a decision. Whether it's a small decision of, I'm not gonna vote for that politician you know, next term, or I'm gonna stop going to Starbucks. You know, what, No matter what decision it is, it's always, whatever information you consume is going to lead to your decision making. So um, the, the, the problem that I encounter and that I think a lot of us encounter is we make the decision based on our emotional reaction to the information based on the facts rather than the facts that we just read. So I would say, you know, focus on the facts and base your, your subsequent like decisions and opinions on that rather than your initial reaction or emotion to what you just heard. Um, because I think that, that decision, you know, may not be as helpful to you. And then you can blame it on the information that you got. You say, well, yeah, I can't make this, I have to make this decision because this is what I heard. And it's like, well, let's, let's examine what the facts are. Or you could hear somebody say that, encourage them to really examine what the facts are and then decide how they feel about it. Um, I would also say, you know, we know a lot less than we think we do. <laughs> you know a lot less than we think we do you know I'm in a couple of group chats with friends and I don't know if your group chats are like this but you know it's like quiet for a little while and then somebody comes in they're like did you guys hear about this and then it starts a discussion and the discussion can go off the rails into a territory of just like speculation just wild <laughs> speculation and it's fun and I don't want to be I can sound so freaking boring when I talk about it like this I don't think it's not fun to wildly speculate and to dive into conspiracies I think it's I think it's great and I think it's a good exercise of the mind but when it comes to the decisions that we're going to make after that like I think we do have to bring ourselves back to what are the facts and there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there right now about coronavirus, about Black Lives Matter, about the police, about all kinds of just the what I've heard the wildest things and I have believed some of the wildest things. Yep. And a lot of it, a lot of our exploration of these things is fear-based of reading a headline and being fearful or anger-based of hearing something from somebody and saying, that's BS. I don't believe that. Mm. And going off on whatever facts are in our head. And it's, I get it. 
because I do it. But when it comes to the decision-making of, am I going to wear a mask today? You know, mm-hmm. am I going to vote for this person? You know, going off of the facts that you have available to you is really, it's going to be your best bet, especially at a time like this where misinformation is rampant, even in our own households. So yeah, I don't want to, I sound like a super downer of being like, yeah. <laughs> don't, you know, we don't have to talk about like, whether whether Jada cheated on Will or not, like, you know, this is our generation, like, <laughs> we're an entanglement. It was an entanglement. <laughs> I'm never gonna say like, no, like, let's not talk about that, you know, but mm-hmm. let's, but let's discuss with like, with what's real and what's tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are people out there who are breaking their backs to get the facts and the information. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to take it personally when people believe conspiracies over journalists, but oh, I, I be doing it. I'm sorry. I be I be those types like Bill Gates. He said this and he did that, and I think this. Like, <laughs> you can't say you think Bill Gates started coronavirus. I do believe. Oh my god, <laughs> we are not getting into this. We are not Chanel. This. <laughs> oh, maybe Morgan sources. Morgan, can you give me some sources? Some Ready? sources about the whoever started coronavirus. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you think okay, <laughs> no, no, I'm not about to drag you. Don't worry. I'm just saying. If you think that something wild is happening, like mm-hmm. it could be. I'm, you know, like a lot of conspiracies are true. But I'm also gonna tell you that it's likely that there's a journalist out there investigating it quietly, okay, okay, okay. and trying to figure out if it's true or not. I'm telling you. Yeah. Because the way that the way that you're thinking, like you're not alone in that. Even if it sounds crazy, you're not alone in that. And there are other people who are like, let me really look into this. Um, and oftentimes maybe they do find that it's untrue and they're like, Yeah, that absolutely led to nothing and there's no reason for me to pursue it anymore. Or okay. you get a watergate. <laughs> so yep. you know. <laughs> I believe in you, Chanel, but I really don't think this is a Watergate. <laughs> I don't know where this evidence is coming from. We'll see what the journalists say, okay? Uh-huh. Give it a few years. We'll see what the journalists say. <laughs> and, and sorry, oh my gosh, one other thing is that a lot of journalists did not, you know, it's not something that you have to go to school for. It's not something that you need, you don't even need, I didn't go to grad school, I didn't go to J school. Like, you don't have to have like the most formal training. A lot of journalists are people who change career paths, who just have a, a curiosity and a passion for research and a passion for telling other people's stories. You can do the same thing without having the degree or having that type of job. You know, it, it is definitely possible for you to do on your own as well. And that's how a lot of, you know, other publications start is because of the people like that. So. It's not all about the people who are already in the field. <laughs> yeah. I think oh, that's a of me. Like, I kind of want to go into journalism now. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like career change number 8072. <laughs> I think that was a perfect topic to transition to our last question. It's a question we're going to be asking all of our guests this season, assuming that we make it through the full season, like we didn't last year, but hopefully we'll make it through this year. But what we want to ask you, Morgan, is, since the title of our season is Growing Pains, we want to know what excites you the most about growing up. Ooh. 
people are excited about growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not, but I just want to know other people's opinions and why they're excited. So maybe it'll make me excited. <laughs> what excites me the most about growing up? Probably like loving myself more and learning more about who I really am. I think that and this is just like my little theory, but I think that who we are is something that like we uncover. It's not something that we create on our own. And like, that's, that's not like a universal thing. That's personally just what I think, but it's, it's somebody that we figure out along the way. You like uncover different pieces of yourself as you get older um, to hopefully, you know, one day get a fuller picture. And I think especially, you know, entering 22, which is just the weirdest year of my life. Um, that yeah not seriously not just because of the pandemic like 22 is the weirdest age in between like nothingness of i don't know who i am or where i'm going or what i'm doing or how to pay taxes um but what i'm i think what i'm most yeah what i'm most excited about um in growing up is learning about who I really am and just like embracing who that is and like telling the world, I mean, like, I found out who I am, guys, this is me, you know? I think, yeah, I think that'd be cool. <laughs> Not that I, I know a lot about myself now and I think she's kind of okay. Um, but the more, the more that I learn about her, I'm like, wow, you got some stuff going on up there. <laughs> I, I I can say like 22 for me because I'm now 23, so you know I'm I'm a little wiser. Um, <laughs> 22 for me was especially like as soon as like jumping out of 21 and going to 22, it was such a weird transition. Um, and then also because you're graduating, kind of figuring out your next steps, it was pretty difficult process. But I can say like 22. I felt I had the most self-love and self-discovery because of the challenges I went through. So I really hope that for like all my girlies here. Yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be a year of adventure and growth. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, from your your grandmother who's twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> your old lady. I feel kind of the same as Chanel. Just well not the same. I think being twenty-two has definitely been like a weird age for me. Just because, like, I'm still in school, I'm working, but then there's also so many things in my life that I still want to achieve, but I'm not sure how I'm going to get there or when I'm going to get there. So I guess it's almost like making plans, but not sure if I'm going to stick with those plans. Um, and kind of checking off those, if those plans are going to make me happy in the long run. Like, it's just a whole, a whole jumble of thoughts that are not making sense right now. But I'm on board for the journey. Nobody likes you when you're 22. So. You just like at a weird middle ground, like nobody. I can yeah. attest to that. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was Taylor Swift talking about? Feeling twenty two, like what? Like, feeling twenty two wasn't five. What is that feeling? I mean, did she really describe the feeling? Just because it's an upbeat song doesn't mean that feeling twenty two feels good, you know. I thought it would. <laughs> Maybe she wrote the song to make herself feel better about how much turning 22 fucking sucks. <laughs> that's tea. That's tea for another day. <laughs> and that's a conspiracy that I want a journalist to check up on. Like, is, you know, is Taylor Swift really genuinely, is she being genuine in her lyrics? That's definitely, yeah. Uh, 
something good next report. That is another episode. <laughs> and yeah. with that, I want to say thank you so much, Morgan. Like, this was such a, like, one important topic to talk about, especially in these times, but as always. And then, two, like, just having you here, just talking about, like, your views and your your perception on journalism and how we take in news um, is so important for our audience and for us as well. So I just want to thank you once again. And um, I guess with that, we're going to head out. Thank you to you guys too. I feel so honored to be a guest on this season. And like I said, though I'm not an expert, I do, you know, I'm glad that I could like share some of my thoughts with you guys and get your feedback and hear your different opinions. It was definitely very helpful for me in my work um, as a baby journalist. Um, and I'm just looking forward to your next episodes. That's really what I'm happy about. Ooh, we gained our first fan. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, I'm Anita. I'm Chanel. I'm Anne Marie. And we're the girls of Room 328. <laughs> 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 That's a wrap. <laughs>